0: What a privilege to be able to be with you today. What a privilege to be able to come to church and to worship together. And what a wonderful thing to be able to hear um, of a new centre of influence that's going to be developed right here in Melbourne. We've been uh, looking for that sort of thing for a long time. And the fact that your church is the one that has been able to establish that and take steps towards establishing it i think is just wonderful so i want to say thank you to you and i want to say thank you to roy and Jean har as well one of the things that we are eager for in the seventh day adventist church in victoria is to have excellent pastoral leadership and you have it in your church i i think you recognize that and i hope you do and I hope you value Roy and Jean Ha at least as much as we do because it's really important for us to have people who understand the mission that Jesus gave us and the way that we can be involved in connecting with people and developing relationships and friendships and connecting them with Jesus. I want to open God's word today and to explore some of the things that Jesus said. But first, a story. It was one of those days which was very, very difficult for me. I can still have a mental picture of the, of the place where we were. And I was standing on the side of a grave and my grandfather, his casket had just been lowered into the ground. I stood there with a tear or two in my eye and they may have been running down my cheeks. My grandfather was a man who I, I cared for a lot. I loved him dearly. He was a wonderful man. I stood there and I looked into the grave and I can remember thinking this looks really, really final. It looks like that's it. You know what I mean? He's not going to wake up in the morning. He's not going to be there next time we have Christmas dinner together. He's not going to be there for a birthday or for... He's gone. And I thought, this looks really, really final. Around about that time, at that stage, the minister started to speak. And he started to read some verses from the Bible. And one of the verses that he read was in John chapter 14, verse 1 down to verse 3. If you have your Bible there, feel free to follow along in your copy of the Bible. I will put some things on the screen, but I always like it when people can just check that we've got it right and that we're doing the things the way that the Bible says. These happen to be verses that I memorized as a little boy. I think my mum might have encouraged me to learn those Bible verses, but... I can remember hearing the words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And it went on with Jesus talking about in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. That's basically what he was talking about. There's more to it than what I've I've pointed out but he was talking about us being together with him. As I heard those words, as I heard the pastor read the words, I heard them for the first time even though they'd been in my memory for decades. Do you know what I mean? I had memorised the words because mum told me it was a good thing to memorise. But on this day I stood there looking into the grave and when I heard those words, let not your heart be troubled, I thought, I do have a troubled heart. I'm really worried now. I'm really concerned. I'm experiencing grief. I'm experiencing disappointment. I have a troubled heart. And Jesus went on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. And he gave a promise that he was going to come again. There's another place that I want to show you in John chapter, this time chapter 16 and verse 33. And I'm not going to read the whole of the verse to you today. But I just want to point out what Jesus said. And he basically says, In this world, you'll have trouble or tribulation, depending on the translation that you use. And then he went on to say, Don't worry, I've overcome the world. Now, one of the things that I want to do today together is to study the Bible just a little bit. And we're not going to be able to do a full in-depth study of the passage that I'm I'm focused on today. But I want to explore some things about studying from the Bible. Now, I talked with you about how Jesus promised that... He would go and prepare mansions that we can come and live in them later. When Jesus returns to this earth, takes us to be with him, we can live in one of those heavenly mansions. I'd call that heavenly real estate. I heard a report on the radio just not too long ago and... They were, they were saying that real estate in Sydney has been increasing in value $1,000 a day. Now, that sounds like a lot of money to me. I don't know if all of the houses in Sydney have been doing that, but that's what I heard reported. There was a real estate agent talking to me just this week, and he said in Melbourne... There is a boom and the property market is taken off like never before. But the real estate in heaven would have to be better than that, wouldn't it? How would you put a value on the the mansions that Jesus is planning for us? We're told that the streets will be made of gold. Now, I struggle to get my head around that. I'm used to streets being made out of stones and bitumen and things that are comparatively cheap. So that's the heavenly real estate that Jesus talked about. And in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he talks about the current realities and that we will have trouble in this world. I don't know whether you can relate to that, but, yeah, I have had trouble over the years. There are things come along, various forms of trouble. Some things are really important, some are just little troubles. But I've certainly had trouble. Now, the question that I have is this. What's the connection between the heavenly real estate... and the current realities, the trouble that we have in our lives. If we're going to study the Bible and read it carefully so that we understand the message that this book holds for us, it's important to ask questions and see how the Bible answers them. But here's one of the things to remember. Ask questions that the Bible is answering. That when I wanted to know who I should marry, will it be this person or that person or somebody else, I can't find a Bible verse that says, pick her. Do you know what I mean? So that wouldn't be a question that I would ask of the Bible because it doesn't talk about that but it does give me some principles to live by. And I could look at it and find out what sort of qualities should I be looking for in a partner. Those are question, That question is answered by the Bible. So you can probably guess by now that when I ask a question like, what's the connection between the heavenly real estate and the current realities that we face, that is a question that the Bible answers. Hmm. How does it answer it? Something else that I want to point out, as we read from the Bible, if we want to get the message the way the Bible wants us to have it, or the way God wants us to have it, look for the main points that the author is making don't just look at the words. Sometimes the words may seem to communicate something, but look at the big picture thing, the main point that the author is making. So in this case, we're asking, what's the connection between the heavenly real estate and the current realities? Now, if you have your Bible there, I'm going to get you to have a close look. Go back to John chapter 14 and I'm going to refer you to some other things. But I want you to notice that John chapter 14 where Jesus talked about the mansions in heaven is part of the same story. John chapter 16 is at the end of the story. So it starts early on and it continues through. So let's think about this just for a moment. This is known as the farewell discourse. Now, you may know about about Jesus coming to this earth and he was born as a baby. We typically celebrate that at Christmas time, don't we? And then he died and we celebrate that at Easter time. But in between times, Jesus did a lot of things on this earth. He healed many people. He told many stories. He preached many sermons. And he taught his disciples how to be. And so basically, what we have that I'm focusing on in John 14 through to chapter 16 is actually known as the farewell discourse, Jesus has been with his disciples through the three and a half years of his ministry and now he has come to the end and he knew that he was going to die on the cross and this was the last supper before he died, this was the Thursday night, well where does the story start? It starts not in chapter 14 where I picked up the story. It starts in chapter 13. Have a look in your Bible. And you will see there the story of the Last Supper. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are all telling the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus. But only John tells the story of the Last Supper, giving us the detail of how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. So that is the beginning of the story. John chapter 13. So where does the story actually end? Well, it doesn't end in John chapter 16, but rather it ends with Jesus' prayer for his, himself, for his disciples and for other believers. And that is in John chapter 17. So here you have a number of chapters which present the last things that happened on the Thursday night before Jesus went to the garden, which he was there in in John chapter 17. And the people came and arrested him and they took him, tried him and eventually he died on the cross. So, given that this was the last things that Jesus said to his disciples, I think it would be important for us to ask, what did Jesus want them to know? Wouldn't you think, when he knew that he was going away, that he would tell them some really important things? I think we can learn from those things. So, now I'm going to be looking for the themes The things that Jesus has repeated, he said them more than once. I'm going to want to know, because I'm a practical sort of person, what did Jesus say to do? Because if there's one thing that I want to know, it's how did Jesus tell me to live my life? Let me tell you a secret. Jesus didn't say much about what to do. There were a few big important things for Jesus. Justice, the way we treat other people. Mercy, the way we care for other people. And faith, the way we relate to God. They were the three big things for Jesus. Not from this passage of scripture, but from other passages of scripture. So let's explore. And I want to start in John chapter 13 and just take some of the highlights as we go through. Because if we spend all the time going in all of the detail, we'll be here till next week. And we don't plan on doing that because we've got to have lunch soon. Go somewhere and eat and do other things. So John chapter 13 and verse 33. Now, let me give you the summary of what has happened. In the room... Jesus has come in and started washing the disciples' feet. There's a whole story about that. You can read it. And then they had the the bread and the wine and the actual supper, the last supper. And while they were eating it, there's a story there about Judas Iscariot. You may have heard of him. Jesus said somebody was going to betray him. And Judas was actually identified as being the one. Following that... Then we come to the what is really I consider to be the discourse. It's where it actually started, where Jesus is telling his disciples some specific things. And again, I'm just picking a few of the highlights, a few things that are repeated themes. John chapter 13 and verse 33, Jesus says, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't come. I think it was Thomas who said that one of the disciples, Thomas, he said, where are you going? Why can't we come? Peter wanted to know. And so the disciples, are, they've stopped listening to what Jesus is saying because he went on to tell them some other things fairly quickly. But they, they were stuck on, hang on a minute. Jesus is our master. He's our teacher. We don't want him to go away. We want to go with him. Why can't we be together? Why can't we just have the unity and the connection and the level of connectedness that we want to have with Jesus? That is why Jesus picks up the story again in John chapter 14 and verse 1 and says, Don't worry. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry. That's what he was talking about. Because he's told them, I'm going away. And he says, yeah, but don't you worry because I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare mansions for you. Is it possible that when he said he was going to prepare a place for them, that he was actually thinking about his death on the cross, which would make it possible for people to be saved? to experience the joy of being able to have a mansion in heaven. And so he says, I'm going, but you can't come. Later on in chapter 16, when this is repeated, Jesus says, I've told you that I'm going, but you no longer ask me, where are you going? Why? Because he's told them. He's explained things to them. Whether they've understood it in its fullness, probably not. But later on, they did. Let's focus on something else that Jesus said in the very next verse. And again, this is repeated, and you can see there in John chapter 15, this is repeated, but Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Is that a new commandment? Was that something new? I can find that in the Old Testament. Why did Jesus say this is a new commandment? Uh huh. Because he doesn't stop there. He says, A new commandment I I give to you love one another as I have loved you. That was the new part, wasn't it? And so we need to read from the Bible if we're going to be able to love as Jesus loved to get to know him so that we can live like he lived and treat other people like he treated them. And then he says in chapter 14, verse 1, and we've already talked about this, he basically says, don't worry. And later on, this same sort of thought is is repeated, where sorrow turns to joy. Something else that we've got right there in chapter 14 is, he says... Let not your heart be troubled. believe in God, you believe you believe in God, believe also in me. Now I've put the word trust on the screen because I think we're all probably familiar that the New Testament in the Bible was originally written in the Greek language. And so some of us know what it is to translate from one language to another and that there may be different ways of translating a given word. And the word that is translated in, the, in our Bible in English as faith, that word can also be translated as trust. There's a fairly famous story about this and I just want to stop and focus on this because... I think it'll help us to understand. There was a man, you may have heard the story, there was a man who walked across a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Quite an amazing thing to do when you stop and think about it. And when he got to the other side, there was a crowd of people and they all applauded and they said, wow, what a good job, you know. And then he said to them, do you think that I would be able to wheel a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. And people said, yes, yeah, we think you can do it. He said, do you really believe that I can? And he said, they were saying, yes, we believe you can. And there was one man there who was standing maybe a little bit too close. And the guy who had walked across the tightrope turned to him and said, do you believe that I can do it? He said, yeah, would you like to get into the wheelbarrow? (laughs) See, that's where trust comes in. We can say, yes, I believe it, and it's just our mind ticking a box. But if we're willing to allow somebody to have control of our lives, you know, to do things that will make a difference, that is real trust, and that is what Jesus is talking about. Something else, and I need to move quickly here. But in John chapter 14, and again in John chapter 16, Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. Jesus has said to his disciples, I'm going away. We're not going to be able to be together again in the way that I've been with you before. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you so that God's presence will still be there with you. Do you get it? There's a big theme that's coming through here. Jesus is going away, but, we, we, but the disciples, can st- the people following Jesus, can still have a connection with Jesus, this time through the Holy Spirit. And something else that he... And, and by the way, any one of these things on the screen, any one of these one-liners that I'm putting there, are themes, I'd love to preach a sermon on every one of them. But I'm just wanting to get the big picture of what's going on. And so in John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. And again in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he says the same thing. And in John 15, he talks about a living, loving connection with Jesus. And if we have that, that we can have a fruitful life. And he reminds us to do whatever he commands. Now, there's something that I want to just point out. Because Jesus was a Jew, and this was written up by John, who was also a Jew, who had a Hebrew way of thinking. I can remember when I went to to study to be a minister, we had a class on preaching. Some people probably wish that I'd listened more carefully in that class, but that's okay. I've tried not to let the things that I learned there get in the way of worshipping together with with people on a Sabbath morning. But this is one of the things that I was taught. You need to have an organised message, not just some random thoughts. But here's basically how it works. You have an introduction and then you have the main body of the... and then the conclusion. It's a bit like that when you're going to write an essay too, isn't it? And so the lecturer said to us, in the introduction, first, you tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them what you told them. And as I said, I, for the Hebrew mind, it was different. I I wanted to know what I was meant to do. And so I thought, let me go and talk with the person who has been there before me. And so I did. I went to him and just then, sorry, but I'm going to have to take this call. It'll only be a few minutes. Well, he was gone about five minutes. But just as he walked out of the just a little bigger than my Bible. When he came back, I started discussing with him what he had written up in his thesis. And he looked at me and he said, have you read my thesis before? I said, No. He said, how did you do that? I'd only had it for five minutes and it was a, it was a, lot, it was a fairly big book. And I said to him, I didn't all that I thought, but I, I had just gone to his conclusion and I'd had time to read his conclusion and he had outlined everything that I needed to know. See, because he had followed that introduction, the main body and then the conclusion and he was amazed that I could do that, and I was amazed that he had got a PhD without knowing how to do that. For the Hebrew mind, it was different. Many times, they would organise it so that they would start talking about something, and they would take another step towards the main point, and you'll find the main thing right in the heart of it, right in the middle so they'll take steps towards their main point and then step corresponding steps away from it so that they've got a step here, another one there as they're walking away from the theme. Do you follow what I mean? Let me ask you this. Like that here, in this last discourse that Jesus gave to his disciples, it could come and give me a hand. I'm going to need some help because it seems to me that it's about time we make sure that we have understood what Jesus was talking about in all of these chapters. Thank you, Micah. Thank you so much for coming to help me. Now, would you be able to open my backpack? There are people who have been wondering, why ever did he bring his backpack? What have you got there? Oh, you felt that. Okay, let's just before we... That's enough for now. Right. Can you hold that up? Hold it up so everybody can see. Thank you very much. What is that? Does anybody know? Ah, you're right. This is part of a grapevine. That is part... Well, it used to be part of my grapevine. Now, let me ask you... Would you expect to find grapes on that piece of grapevine? No fruit. fruit. There's no fruit there, but would you expect to find any? I can see people shaking their heads. And I'm with you. So Jesus said that if we're going to remain in him, we must bear much fruit. I wonder if you can see if you can find some fruit in there. Okay, now let's have a go. See if we can give this this branch, this little vine, some fruit. Okay. Okay, are we happy now? I can see some people nodding. And I can see some nodding the other way or shaking their head. What is wrong with the fruit? That's a very good banana. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the banana. So what's the problem with the fruit? The wrong fruit. Thank you, Micah. So let me ask you this. If I had brought along a bunch of grapes and put those on with a cable tie, would you be happy with that? Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, wait. That's, that's enough for now. We'll just leave that. We'll look at those things later. Thank you, Micah. But would you be happy if I'd put some grapes on there with a cable tie? No, why? They'd be fake fruit, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be fruit that belonged to the vine. They wouldn't be. So, Yeah. Jesus says, we are the branches. He is the vine, we are the branches. If we want to be have fruit, stay connected to him. Do you get that? Thank you, Micah. I'll let you go and you can take that with you. And I don't know whether you eat this fruit or whether you don't, but please don't poke anyone with the stick. So let's explore this just a little more. Now, here is another stick. Let me ask you, would you expect to find fruit on this stick? People are a bit wary now, aren't they? And here's the problem you don't have enough information. Because I've put something up when I took the photo, so you can't see the whole picture, but here is the whole picture. And that's the same stick. But you can see this is connected to the tree. Now, it's not a grapevine, but the principle is the same. So, that stick is connected to the tree. Let me ask you, would you expect to find fruit on that stick? Well, if we go back just a few days, the fruit was there. Now, we have persimmon, a persimmon tree in our front yard. I never would have planted a persimmon tree. I didn't know how beautiful they are. In the springtime, the leaves are magnificent and beautiful green. When it comes time for the autumn, the leaves go a beautiful yellow and golden colour and it's a magnificent tree. And then when the leaves fall off, it leaves the fruit just like that. Now, that fruit tree, that bears much fruit for us. Pretty much every year. We don't have baskets or anything to pick fruit in and so my wife, Marcia, uses the washing basket and she fills that up about four or five times with fruit from that persimmon tree. But do you know what? We never focus on the fruit. Do you get it? We give the tree water, a little bit of dynamic lifter or some other fertiliser on the odd occasion, and we leave it for God to do his work to grow the tree and for the fruit to grow and develop. Now, after we'd picked everything off the tree that we wanted, and we had more than enough, I said to Marcia, why don't we... And we were picking at about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night to try and get them all off. And some of these ones that you can see on the screen were a little bit high up. And I said, why don't we just leave them for the birds? We'd had a net over, and we had been chasing the birds away for, for months. I said, why don't we just leave them for the birds? And the ones that you can see, they're, the, they're just some of the ones that we left for the birds. There were many more than that. The next day, when I came out the front door, the net was gone, a few birds were there, and when they heard the front door open, they flew away in fear. But by the second day, the birds realised, these are for us. And they came and they ate. And they ate and they ate and they told their friends and they had, we had crows in the all of the trees up and down the street and they're calling out to each other, come and have a party at Graham's house. And they did. And then the cockatoos came and finished them off totally and there's none left. That's why you could see the bare branches. But in a few months' time, the leaves will come and the fruit for next year will start to develop. There's some of the fruit, just a little bit of it. Now, is there anybody here who likes persimmons? Oh, you do. Uh huh. These are the kind, these are not the crunchy kind, these are the ones that have to go soft, right, before you can eat them. They have to go so soft that you think that's ready to throw it away. And then it's ready to eat. And just in case there was somebody who likes them, I brought a few along. And you can have them, provided you like persimmons. Don't take them if you don't, but there they are. I won't tip them up. And I only brought that many because I could have brought a basket full and they are soft enough. These are ready to eat. They're ready to go. So I'll leave them here and somebody can, if you want some, feel free to come and take them because why did I bring them? I want you to remember what Jesus said. I would tip them up on their side but not these ones. They're really soft and I've got some little plastic bags if you want to take one home in a plastic bag. But they are really, really ready. Why did they get to be like that? Because the branch was connected to the tree. It's what Jesus said. And so here's the question. How are you going with your connection with Jesus? If you are one of the branches, how are you going with your connection with him? How would you connect with Jesus? Well, one of the ways is to read from the Bible on a regular basis. Spend time learning of him. Something else that we have already seen from what he said is obey his commandments and live the way that he wants us to live, including loving one another as Jesus loved. That's the big commandment, isn't it? And what else could we do We can spend time in prayer talking with him if we want to develop that relationship with him. And there's one more thing, and that is to tell others about Jesus. Because as we do those things, our faith will grow, and he'll make a difference. I don't know if you've ever seen the book Steps to Christ. You may have seen it. In that book, there's something, and I don't know if you've read it or if you've seen these words before, but these words mean a lot to me because they describe something of that relationship and the life that happens when Jesus is there. And I've found that he makes a difference for me. This is what is written in that book. Keep your wants your joys, your sorrows, your cares and your fears before God. You cannot burden him, you cannot weary him. He who numbers the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of his children. His heart of love is touched by our sorrows and even by our utterances of them. Take everything to him that perplexes the mind. Nothing is too great for him to bear. For he upholds the worlds. He rules over the uni- all of the affairs of the universe. And these last phrases that I'm about to share with you mean so much to me. I have experienced the difference that having Jesus in my life makes. And it's really well expressed in these, verses, these, these words. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. Have you had anything that's concerned your peace this week? Wow. I don't know about you, but I live out close to Mount Dandenong and there's been a lot to disturb people's peace out there. But there's nothing too small, whether it's something somebody said, something somebody did, whether it has to do with health or employment or, or money or whatever it is, there's nothing too small for him to notice. There's no chapter in our experience too dark for him to read. And I think that's just great. Because that tells me that there's nothing that can separate me from his love. Nothing that I've done that is too bad to be able to talk to him about it. To be able to open it up and say, God, this is what has gone on. And this has been my experience. Whether it's good or bad or just plain ugly. And there's no perplexity too difficult for him to unravel. And I really like that, because as I try to maintain my connection with Jesus, as a branch with the main vine, as I try to keep that connection strong, I find that I can go to him and I can say to him, I don't know what we're going to do about this. You said there's no perplexity too difficult for you to unravel, How about you take this one and let me hand that over to you? And do you know what happens when I do that? Feels like a weight rolls off my back. It feels like I have freedom that I didn't have before. Why? Well, he did say, let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry, turn things over to him. And he's talked all the way through that final discourse with his disciples about how we can have peace, how we can have a connection, a living, loving relationship with him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus. And we thank you that he shared with us and told us so many things. We thank you that he has told us about the way that we can be connected with him and with you and the difference that that can make in our lives. And I pray that you will be with each one who has come to our worship service today, whether in person or whether online. We've come here to worship you, to be with you. And now as we go out into the world, May others see that we have been with Jesus and may they want to know you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.